So we've been in Acts chapter 2 together um, and just asking the question, what makes a thriving church thrive regardless of the season, regardless of the atmosphere in which it lives? And by thriving, we're not talking so much about, you know, this church has the most incredible programs. That's fantastic. We're not talking so much about this church has large numbers. That's great, too. When we talk about thriving, we've been talking about a church that's experiencing God move in real and powerful and meaningful ways, not just among them, but through them as well. We're talking about a church that's experiencing the miraculous, that we're constantly blown away by ways in which God is doing things that cannot be explained in human terms. We're talking about a church that's experiencing favor in its community. The community around the church respects the church, admires the church, even likes the church. Even though the community may not agree with or believe what the church believes, we're talking about a church in which revival is not rare. People are coming to salvation in the person of Jesus Christ, experiencing forgiveness, experiencing freedom, not rarely, but on a regular basis. And we've been saying we all want to be a part of a church like that. But as we've been saying, you know, a thriving church doesn't just thrive accidentally. It thrives because it's full of people who are asking the question, how can I devote myself to the kinds of practices that make the church thrive? A thriving church is a church that is locked in on what it means to learn and live the truth of Jesus, driven by the question, what does Jesus have to say about this? Because that is exactly what we want to do. Now we're going to continue this conversation by dialing into another practice that the church in Acts chapter 2 was devoted to carrying out. But before we do that, I just want to take some time to, to read again this section of scripture that we've been sitting with for a number of conversations. So if you have a Bible, again, grab that or turn to your app, grab something to write on. Again, we want to ask God, what do you want to speak to us through your word? So Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42, here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, again, the truth of Jesus, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47 says they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Again, this didn't just happen. And so we want to dial into another practice they were devoted to that shows up right here in verse 42. I don't know if you noticed it, but look again, Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we want to spend some time just talking about this word fellowship. Uh, If you're like me, you grew up in the church. And when I grew up in the church, I heard this word used quite often, actually. And it was usually used to describe some kind of a church gathering, whether that gathering was a spiritual gathering or it was a social event. It was just a way of saying a bunch of church people got together for something. But when Luke uses this word in this section of scripture, he's describing fellowship as authentic connectedness. He's describing something so much more than just a getting together, something so much more than just a gathering. This is people who are showing up and are interacting as themselves. They're not playing a role. They're not showing up pretending to be something that they're not. They're not showing up posturing. They're showing up as their true, real, authentic selves. I'll show you the real me. You show me the real you. And now let's authentically connect based on who we really are. That's what he means by fellowship. Luke says here in in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that they didn't just show up authentically. He says they devoted themselves to authentic connectedness. I don't know about you, but that sounds uncomfortable to me, which leads me to the question, just why? Why? Why would they devote themselves to showing up unveiled, without pretense, without posture, without filters? Why would they do that? I think there are a couple of key reasons for that. And uh, here's the first reason I believe they devoted themselves to this authentic connectedness. Because, let's be honest, authenticity is not natural to us. You may be the rare person who does this naturally, but it's not natural to us. Showing up authentically is something we tend to naturally resist. I know at least I do. We all naturally protect ourselves from being truly known by others. And so when we show up, we show up with with filters, we show up with a commitment to put forward what we believe will be most accepted by other people. And again, maybe it's just me, but long before social distancing, we were really good at practicing selective disclosing. I'm going to show you the pieces of myself that I think you accept. So I'm going to hide my flaws. I'm going to hide my insecurities. I'm going to hide my struggles. I'm going to hide my truest needs and just show you the selective pieces of who I am. And so I end up showing up as a veiled version of myself. I'm telling you, showing up authentically is not natural to us. So I think the church in Acts chapter 2 devoted themselves to fellowship because we need to commit intentionally to the things we don't tend to do naturally. And so they committed, devoted themselves 
to showing up in authentic ways. But I think the second reason they devoted themselves to fellowship was because authenticity is necessary for growth. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or realized this, but you cannot grow into everything that Jesus has called you to be without the help of others. But I think they also devoted themselves to authenticity, to fellowship, because they understood that we need each other. If we're going to grow into everything that Jesus has designed us and called us to be, we need each other. And this is the way the author to the Hebrews writes it. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This verse literally says, let us consider one another. And you know what that word consider means? To know each other authentically. Hmm. Why? Well, the author to the Hebrews tells us, because if we get to know each other authentically, we'll know how to best help each other move towards everything that Jesus has called us to, love and good deeds. So this idea of authentic connectedness is not just some kind of group therapy with a bunch of people who are just super curious about each other. No, the better we know each other, the better able we are to know how to help each other grow and soar into everything that Jesus has created and designed us to be. The better we can meet each other's needs where we really have Needs. The more authentically we know each other, the more meaningfully we can meet each other where we are and help push each other towards everything Jesus calls us to be, which is what I believe is happening in Acts chapter 2 as this church is thriving. Look again at Acts chapter 2 verse 42 with this in mind. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It says right here in verse 42 that they were devoted to the breaking of bread. This is awesome. This is just another way of describing communion. And communion was this practice, this ritual in which the church would remember what Jesus did to pay for and forgive their sins. I love that. That means in this authentic connectedness, one of the first things they would do is push each other back to the person of Jesus. Remember who Jesus is. Remember what Jesus did. But it also says in this same verse, verse 42, that they were devoted to prayer. And I'm just asking, can you imagine how powerful their prayer meetings would have been as they showed up 
authentically sharing with each other, this is who I am and this is what we're really going through. It wasn't one of those things in which it's like, hey, pray for a little bit of patience. It wasn't so much, hey, pray for my unspoken. No, they asked for prayer. I hate my husband right now. Somebody pray for me. I'm about to hurt a coworker. Somebody please pray for me. Man, I'm feeling lonely. I'm doing some crazy stuff online. Somebody please pray for me. Can you imagine how powerful prayer becomes when there's authenticity? Now you're really praying for me. You're not praying for a version of me. You are really praying for me. And their prayer was powerful. And it says later on in verse 45 that they sold property to help anyone who was in need. Because now I know your needs. Now you know my needs. I'm not faking it. I'm not putting on a veneer. I'm not saying I'm good when I'm not. Now you know where I really have needs and you can start to move and make the kinds of decisions that meet me in my needs and help me with those needs, which is what was happening here in the book of Acts. And so those who had struggle would say so. Those who had extra would say so. And so authentic struggle and authentic extra would get into the same place and no one was in need. This is really powerful. Now, I've got to tell you, authentic scares me, if I'm to be honest. I am terrified of what people would do with me if they understand my struggles and they see some of my scars and they know some of my vulnerabilities and they know some of my weaknesses. And so the truth is I tend to kind of impose social distancing on myself um, in order to protect myself. But the truth is, as I've looked at this passage, it's a powerful reinvitation. Condo, isn't it worth experiencing this kind of thriving? Isn't it worth coming as your authentic and real self for the sake of helping other people grow and for the sake of seeing the church thrive? Isn't it worth it for the sake of other people to help you grow and to see the church thrive? Um, you you can't expect people to come alongside and encourage your alter ego. <laughs> they can only encourage the real and authentic you. And the truth is, we can't expect and hope God is going to come and move in powerful, authentic ways if we show up in a pretending version of ourselves. I believe God is going to come and move authentically among an authentic people. And isn't that reason enough to say, if that's true, then I want to devote myself to showing up authentically so I can connect authentically with other people in the context of the church. And I wonder if you've ever decided, you know what? Enough pretending, enough showing up and, and putting on a, a picture and a portrayal and a caricature of who I really am. I am marking a moment and saying, I'm going to show up as me. And I want to, to hang with people who show up as them. Because then we'll be able to help each other move towards Jesus. 
Then we can trust we will pray for each other powerfully and meaningfully. Then we can believe God is going to show up and do amazing things in our midst. We all want to be a part of a church in which God is moving. The question is, are we willing to devote ourselves to the practice of authentically connecting with each other?